everybody, I'm Storm Team 2 Chief Meteorologist Rob Fowler, and it's another edition of our Get to Know podcast, and we are so thrilled to have our guest uh, who is not in Charleston, but will be in Charleston in three weeks from today. It's the one, it's the only, Gloria Gaynor. And Gloria, thank you so much for joining us here on our Get to Know podcast. It's kind of interesting. It's called Get to Know, but I think everybody knows you. But uh, we're going to delve into you, your life, and obviously your career. But uh, how are you doing right now? What's up with you at this moment? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm very, very busy because I'm about to move. I'm building a home, a new home, and so I'm packing up my own home. And it occurred to me just a couple of weeks ago that I'm trying to pack together, put together in three or less months what has taken me 20 years to do it. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad that you're you're busy, but have enough time to come and visit us in Charleston. I got to tell you a story, and you probably don't remember this, but I do. But you were in Charleston, I think, a few years ago, and I I tweeted, I saw you tweet something about the weather or something like that. As a meteorologist, I responded back to you, and you actually responded back to me, and uh, I was so thrilled that you you saw it in in your busy time to at least you know, kind of acknowledge that I tweeted at you. So thank you very much. You made my day. I don't know if you know this or not, but we might be relatives. We could be relatives. Because my name, my, my, I was born Gloria Fowler. So we're only missing one letter there. So and that's, that, you know, that often happens down through the years. Well, you know, I would be honored. There's no doubt about it. So, all right. So tell us uh, what, uh, what you've been doing in your career in terms of Let's go back to the beginning. So when you were a little girl, Gloria Gaynor, at eight or nine years old, did you ever realize that this is where you would be sitting and this would be your life and has been your life for so many years? Well, I can't say it was that early, but I do remember, and I think I'll never forget, uh, when I was 13 years old, I was in, my, um, in the hallway of my apartment uh, um, where we live, and I was waiting for a friend to come down and stay and play. And I started singing. Before my friend came down, an adult neighbor came down and she looked over the bench. And when I heard her walking, I stopped singing. She looked over the bench and she said, Glory, was that you? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, oh my goodness, I thought that was the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're growing up, you're singing more and more. People are starting, I'm sure, to recognize you even at a young age, what a great talent you had. And then all of a sudden, I think in 1978, this song called I Will Survive comes out. And I was doing some research, Gloria, and I found out something interesting, and you probably told this story before, but that it was actually the B-side to the record. And for our younger listeners who don't know what a B-side and a 45 is, kind of explain uh, what that was all about. Well, um, as you know, back three years ago, uh, recordings came on um, vinyl discs that we called um, um, 45s. That was because it was 45 RPMs. The record went around 45 times in a minute. And um, and was played by putting a on Anyway, um, there was a song on each side of the disc. And this song was slated to be on the B side, which meant that it was not expected to be a hit. It was not expected to even be necessarily played or heard by, played by the DJs or heard by the audience. 
And so um, I had been in hospital, um, spine on my surgery on my spine. I'd fallen backwards off the stage and woke up and was one of the and went down, wound up in hospital for like almost four months. And during which time, um, I thought my career was over because the record company said it was dropping my contract. And that was it. I left the hospital praying very, very hard to the Lord to do something to help me because I didn't know what I was going to do, where I was going. And they called him, the record company called and said that they were not going to end my contract because they got a new president over from England. And he wanted me to record a song that he played me because he had a hit with it. And then he wanted to repeat that success in the so they sent me out to Los Angeles to record that song, which is called Should Be Father. Okay. No, 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 substitute. 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 And very happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so when I was out there, I asked the, 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 the producers what was going to be the, B, the A side, I mean the B side. And they said, um, they didn't know. They said, what kind of songs do you like? I said, well, I like songs that are meaningful, touch people's hearts, have good melodies so people can sing along. They said, we think you're the one we've been waiting for to record this song we wrote. And when they gave me the lyrics, I read them and I thought, what do you mean? What? You're going to put on the B side? I said to them, I'm relating to this song right now, the fact that I'm hoping to survive this fine surgery. Right. I'm relating to this song the fact that I'm very much uh, trying to overcome and survive the death of my mother that happened to me. And then, uh, what I understand was a, a DJ in Boston, is this true, decided he was going to flip it over and play that? That probably is true. But in my experience, when we first got the CDs before they were ever released, we took them to Ricky Kozar's Studio 54. And he played it. The audience immediately loved it, which told me that was a hit. If, if, it's, if it's affecting this jaded New York audience like this, this is definitely a hit song. So we gave him the box of CDs and told him, I mean, um, 40s, 45s. Right. We told him to give them to his DJ friends around New York. He did that. They began to play it. People began to request it in the club. And then they began to request it on radio. And when the people were calling the radio station, after the DJs were calling the, I mean, the radio announcements, they were calling the record company saying, where's this song we keep getting requests for? And they had to tell them as much that it was on the beat side. I'm, I'm believing that that had to be before this gentleman did what he did in Boston, which I'm grateful to him. Having done that, I'm sure he did that. But the first one to do it was to close and I know that because the record had been. And as you mentioned, kind of aptly named because uh, the substitute for substitute turned out to be not just a hit in at that time, but it stayed the staying power of "I Will Survive." Uh, I think will continue to transcend all generations and continues to be an anthem for so many. Uh, people who are struggling and trying to survive and it speaks to them. So when you were you obviously right at that moment when you heard and you read the lyrics um, You thought this really relates to me. Did you know it would have this kind of staying power? I, I believed that it would I believe that it would be popular for as long as it would be played Because I know that there's never going to come a time on that 
that human beings don't have struggles and that they're hoping that they're, you know, they're fine and surmountable and hoping they'll survive. So I know me personally, I was in college at that time in 1978, 79, and, and disco was big. And as soon as those first few bars of the piano came on, everybody knew what song it was. And the dance floor absolutely just, if it wasn't filled at that time, it filled in just seconds. So uh, you got a lot of people moving, Gloria, with your song, and it obviously spoke to so many people too. So when you come to Charleston here in three weeks, uh, what can people expect? Uh, obviously they're gonna he hear that anthem but some other songs you're you're a grammy award winner uh, you've got a lot of uh songs that you're going to play for us here in charleston at the gilliard center on november 5th well i often say i'm going to be doing something old something new something borrowed nothing new. <laughs> so who was who was your inspiration gloria growing up who did you look at and say i that's that's who i want to be or that sound is what i want to have well, I was very, I very much liked uh, the, the standards, the uh, um, um, gas standards, and so I loved Nancy Wilson. I think she called me favorite. I liked um, uh, Ella Fitzgerald and um, Gloria Lynn, uh, um, a few others that were you know, the top of the of the And so those are the ones that I say taught me these things. Specifically, Nat King Cole taught me Nat King Cole and, and um, Frank Sinatra taught me diction. Because I really hated that in popular music so often you couldn't understand what they were singing. Right. If you're singing, then you're bringing forth a message. And if you're bringing forth a message, whatever that message, message of love, message of sorrow, whatever the message, you need the message to be heard and understood. Otherwise, you're not going to be a money winner. So, so I I was very concerned with ditching. Those two taught me ditching with people like Elephant Bell and Robert Streisand. I learned to stretch my range so that I could sing higher notes and kind of five off the wing. So those are your inspirations, but you've also inspired, I'm sure, a lot of folks. Can you? Maybe relay a couple of stories where maybe people, girls or guys, came up to you after a concert and said, "You don't realize." what your song, what your music, especially maybe I Will Survive has done for me? Well, Alicia Keys. And, and I've had a couple of other artists tell me that they love the song. Well, I know my wife is a breast cancer survivor and we do a walk each and every year making strides against breast cancer for the Cancer Society. And typically, you know what song they're going to play as we're walking around the park. And, and your song is one of them. And I think uh, the tears are flowing, the hugs are, are being given. So. Uh, I hope you realize, and I'm sure you do, the impact that you're making, not just on you know, other artists like yourself, but the, just the general public who looks up to you so much. Uh, we love you here in Charleston. We can't wait to hear you in three weeks here at our Gilliard Center. It's a beautiful venue in downtown Charleston, and uh, we can't wait for you to come and visit and, and uh, sing for us. Thank you so much. I am so looking forward to it. I love that area. I have lots of friends there. Well, Gloria Gaynor has been our guest here on our Get to Know podcast. We thank you for joining us here today. And again, Gloria, November 5th, the Gilliard Center. She'll be in Charleston, and I'm sure tickets uh, are going fast, so you need to get those tickets pretty quickly. I'm Storm Team 2 Chief Meteorologist Rob Fowler. Until next time, may all your days be sunny. Well,